Ethan and Benjamin Castle are Americans. Watching the footy. Liam Ryan saying kick it my way. I want to jump over the pack and here he comes. Ryan! This is Buddy Franklin! This is the greatest showman! Got the handball off to Myers. Myers looking for the lead of Stengel. Gee, they're good. Gee, they're sharp. Randall Gazzarioli. Oh, who else? McDonald. Tibble. From inside the centre square. time of day everyone welcome to our round 22 preview on americans watching the footy episode 126 overall benjamin castle here alongside grian harambe the footy cat and his dad my brother ethan what's going on everybody you uh over the jet lag yet or kind of back in tune with the pacific time zone i was never really out of tune with it I wouldn't say I've been jet-lagged, I've just been tired from doing a lot of stuff the last couple of weeks. Well, I know you'll be happier to experience these last few rounds of footy on Pacific Time rather than Easter. Oh, certainly. That's definitely going to be nice. You know, while we still have five games Saturdays. Some more retirement news popped up during the week. We talked about some of them on our most recent recap. We'll get into a little bit more of those details here, especially for one which will be occurring this Saturday. But before that, we've got a heck of a rematch to start the round on Friday night with Collingwood hosting Geelong at the G. You could say they hosted Geelong to open the season as well, if we're if we're being completely honest. When's the last time Collingwood were outnumbered at the G? Probably sometime in 2021, because that was a disappointing season for them. Yeah, but also, let's go back to, you know, before crowd restrictions then. Maybe a Richmond home game? Yeah, that's possible. Pies and Cats at the typical Friday night time, so 7.50 p.m. local, 5.50 a.m. Eastern, 2.50 a.m. Pacific for Americans on Fox Sports 2. Cats enter at 10-9-1, coming off the Grian show against Port Adelaide. Collingwood at 16-4. They are still atop the ladder, but are coming off back-to-back losses, having fallen to Hawthorne last week and having suffered some damage while doing so. Nick Dacos suffered a hairline knee fracture. That's a six-week out. Deal Sidebottom suffered a foot injury. We now know it. He'll be out this week. And we thought Nathan Murphy's syndesmosis would uh, keep him out for two to three weeks. Apparently, he's a chance to play. And in fact, is considered likely by Craig McRae and staff. Must be really minor then. When these teams met back in round one, Collingwood scored all five goals in the fourth quarter to win by 22. That was a pretty injured Geelong team to open the season. Taylor Adams, Jordan Degoe, and Tom Mitchell played really well, and then Bo McCreary and Nathan Murphy did their typical thing, making a bunch of winning plays in front of over 86,000, and it should be a similar crowd this Friday. Looks like this one's pretty much already sold out. And this is a matchup that's pretty much always played at the G. Cats never able to host Collingwood down the highway. It's the 29th of 31 meetings at the G since 2006. The last time... They met at Geelong, 1999. Yikes. And of course, the only two times they met outside of the G were in 2020 when, of course, they were playing outside of Victoria. 
And within that time, they've played six finals. I believe Geelong and Collingwood is the most common finals matchup in league history. Just confirmed, I am correct on that. After last year's qualifying final, it's up to 26 finals meetings, including six grand finals. They need to do something like, well, how would you represent this instead of putting a bunch of cups in a circle? I mean, you could still put 25 cups in a circle. Yeah, but to represent all the finals meetings instead of just the number of cups. I have no idea, just like like pairs of boots worn from each game. I was thinking like the flag from the pregame ceremony with the national anthem and stuff. Bring out a flagpole for each one. Or something from the welcome to country. Interesting uh, proposition there. In terms of Collingwood's replacements for those injured players, Oleg Markov can provide some speed and some outside ability to help replace Nick Dacos, but it's going to have to be the players that are already in there that just lift at the center bounce. Tom Mitchell was subbed out these past few weeks. I think Finn McRae is ready to go. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a crack, if healthy. Scott Pebblery needs to lift and bounce as well, and I think Jordan Ngoi will get steadier midfield time as well instead of venturing a bit more at half forward. If there's one player through whom I would expect everything to run, I would say Ngoi and then maybe Taylor Adams, who was left touchless in the first quarter by Hawthorne. I still think, if not Nick Dacos, Taylor Adams is the best bet to win a Norm Smith medal. One of the reasons I'm cautiously optimistic about this game is that the Pies don't necessarily have strengths that exploit our weaknesses. Their clearance differential has gone way down. You can see how they were pummeled at center clearance this past week by Hawthorne, 18-3. to And the forward delivery hasn't been as strong. Brody Majacek has looked out of sync with the midfielders the past, really, three weeks, if not longer. He's not going to get dropped. If anything, Ash Johnson would get dropped despite a good game if Mason Cox comes back in, because he cleaned up in the VFL. Maybe at some point they'd manage Majacek, but he would never get omitted. Or they'd probably just say soreness. Let's face it, everybody's sore this time of year. One significant injury for the Cats from last week, Jack Henry suffered an injury to his Lisprank ligament that's probably going to end his season. So there's where Jed Buse can return, and that's how Jake Colajashny will be able to stay in the lineup without having to really fight for his spot because he did not play well last week at all. Well, then Rioli ran circles around him and then straight to the goal square. Tom Hawkins' minor hamstring injury against Frio will figure out just how minor it is. I liked how the forward line operated without him last week. I don't think the forward line operates better without him, but it wasn't like there was an obvious Tom Hawkins-sized hole. Whereas, like the Saints, you know, you could tell specifically that they were missing Max Kane a few weeks ago. Which was strange in and of itself, considering how they started the year. But that's an aside. Cam Guthrie still... Working his way back from that toe injury, but could be within the next week or two. Would be pretty nice to have someone else who can operate along the ground. And then maybe Sam Menegola squeaks his way in. I wouldn't mind Brandon Parfit being the sub again this week, though. Go to the contest, able to provide run late. But if you want Max Holmes to play more inside, having Menegola in is the way to still have some strength there on the wing. Whoever's on that wing will be battling with Josh Dacos all game long. I'm still going to advocate for Mitch Nevitt, probably not in the coaching staff's plans, but I really like him. I feel like we've said enough about Nevitt already with how much he contributes to some of the pressure right off the contest, especially off-center clearance, and with that being a weakness for Collingwood, bringing in Nevitt could maximize Geelong's advantages over there. That said, I get why against a team as composed as the Pies, you really want to play the most experienced group you can. 
and especially this late in the season as well. Collingwood are two and a half point favorites, but as we're recording this well ahead of the list announcements, I can see this line going any which way once the teams are confirmed. And oddly, I think Craig McRae is more likely to make a late change than Chris Scott. I could see that. Would it be Mason related? I don't know. I think it would be more Murphy and Frampton. Based on like Murphy's readiness? Yeah, you know, if, if they initially name Murphy, but then he ends up not being ready to go, Billy Frampton would come in for him. He was pulled from the VFL game this past week after the extent of Murphy's injury was known. But also watch for Jack Ginevan to get back in. He scored two goals and then was managed in the second half this past week. I would love for Ollie Henry to be able to redeem himself, considering how lax he was before Darcy Moore tackled him in round one. Yeah, that's... He'll be a focal point. He'd be an easy pick for main character this round, positive or negative. Are you going to do it? I'm not sure. Kicked four goals this past week, three in the first quarter. And with Darcy Moore's dip in play lately, that that could be a, f- a fun battle. I would really love to ha- have Hawkins back so that you could have both of them operating as tall forwards. As well as Cameron. Yeah. I mean, Cameron is such a unique player. The way he's able to come out high and in- impact the game on different levels. Whereas Henry and Hawkins are your more traditional tall forwards. And I think when you're facing a defense that's got guys like Darcy Moore, you want to be able to overwhelm them with as many talls as you can. And then on the smaller side, would you expect Isaac Quainter to be mostly occupied with Tyson Stanglin in a 1v1? I don't know. I could see him trying to keep Grian off the ball after the five assists this past week. Saturday footy begins with North and Essendon at Marvel Stadium. This is that finale that I had mentioned earlier as Ben Cunnington will be playing his 238th and final game in his 14th season. He was drafted fifth overall in 2009. Hasn't played at AFL level since round eight, but a two-time club best and fairest, a two-time cancer survivor as well, and one of the hardest players to tackle still at his age. I would love for him to get a win in his final game. Last year, seeing his moment with Sonia Hood after the win over Richmond was awesome. That moment was like the highlight of the season for North. And he wasn't even playing in that game, I believe. He came back later against the Crows in Adelaide. But yeah, that, that moment in the stands was special. And uh, thanks, Jay Gartz. I wish I'd been able to really watch that game live, but that was while I was driving up to Oregon in the middle of the night. This one will get underway at 1.45 p.m. on Saturday in Australia, 11.45 p.m. Friday in the United States on the East Coast, 8.45 p.m. here on the West Coast. Audiences without watch AFL that want to watch this one are going to have to wait for a delayed broadcast on Fox Soccer Plus, 9 a.m. Eastern or 6 a.m. Pacific on Saturday morning. That said, I can't think of there's a particularly large audience that wants to watch this game that won't have access to it. Like, you're probably a big enough footy fan that you have watch AFL if you are invested in a game between North and Essendon. I mean, I would hope that people are invested in this considering how fun the meeting was last time around in round 12. Goal for goal for most of that game. Kyle Langford kicked four straight and had this great move to tap the ball between his legs to set up the final goal, which was scored by super sub Massimo D'Ambrosio. I'm still surprised that North managed to hang in that game despite both Ben McKay and Hugh Greenwood being concussed. That one would have in the kind of Brett Ratton run where it was like, man, I wish they could have won this one, but unlike the loss to the Swans, it, it wasn't like they had much to kick themselves over. It was like, they were just right there, and they just got beat by a better team. And Essendon have won the last nine meetings against North. 
other than Cunnington being in, potential for Tom Powell and George Wardlaw to come back in. Powell seems more likely to return for the, from his leg injury. We do know that Liam Shields will remain out, having suffered a calf injury back in around 19. And no Cooper Harvey because he's already had shoulder surgery and is starting to recover from that. Callan Dawson and Hugh Greenwood had strong showings in the VFL. I insist that Greenwood belongs in the lineup, but I wonder if Cunnington being in and then being kind of similar physical players may keep him out for another week. If so, as much as I like having Greenwood in there, that's fine. You know, this is a week that's about the sentimental stuff rather than just putting out the best lineup possible. I mean, I would hope it would be both cutting to the side. For Essendon, we still don't have a timeline for Dylan Shield or Sam Draper. Jake Stringer injured his foot back in round 19. He could return, according to Brad Scott. Oh yeah, Brad Scott coaching against North. I know that that's already happened once, but worth mentioning. Brad Scott did hold the record for most games coached without making a grand final, but uh, Ken Hankley has that now. A bunch of quiet performers in their round 21 win over the Eagles didn't see much of Matt Guelphie or Jai Menzi. Menzi, of course, was involved in the final goal, but wasn't big overall. Yeah, other than that assist, I had hardly noticed him all game. Had hardly noticed Jake Kelly either, hardly seen on the wing. Down to the VFL, Will Setterfield returned then 20 disposals. I think we'd forgotten how well he had been playing before he got hurt. I would like to see him back in as soon as possible. And that is Gavin Wagonin. Then Tex Wagonin, four goals, and Patrick Voss, three goals. Patrick, no relation to Michael. Tex, of course, Gavin's son. Gavinson sounds like a city in Australia. Yeah, kind of knows. Somewhere kind of rural. Not like complete middle of nowhere, but like, you know, similar type of population to like an Achuka, maybe. I don't know. Could be kind of in that Achuka, Moama area. Sure. Just remember, Achuka produced two of the top three in the 2021 Rallo voting. Ollie Wines and Clayton Oliver. Bombers favored by 23 and a half. You know, there's a chance that they just run North over. But I could also see North super inspired for Cunnington's final game and maybe even pulling this one off. I think, I think more likely they put up a solid effort but come up short somewhere in that like two to four goal range so i would probably take north to cover here but not by a ton i want to think essendon will win this game i can see it being around 40 points but north also managed to give cunnington a kick for his last goal within the final few minutes almost reminiscent of uh, what essendon managed to do last year for michael hurley oh that would be awesome and i bet essendon players would go up to cutters and congratulate him he's the type of guy where that would be completely warranted and expected 25 minutes after that we've got sydney hosting gold coast theme this round and for you know what you usually get late in the season a lot of rematches in fact there's only i believe one game all around that's not a rematch so sydney hosting gold coast at the scg 9 10 p.m start for us on the west coast of the united states 12 10 a.m eastern time on saturday and 2.10 p.m. locally, this is a Fox Sports 2 game. The 10 night and 1 Swans are up to 10th and very much in the finals conversation after winning at GWS. The Suns down at 9 and 11. They're in 14th. They lost to the Crows and would need a whole lot of things to go right if they somehow won out because 12 wins probably isn't enough. It's probably going to be 12 and a half. Can still fight for the best record in club history. I'm not sure if they've ever gotten to 
11 wins, let alone 12. So there's a sense of club pride there, at least for them to fight for, if not a final spot. Just want to remind you that the Swans' 11-point win over the Giants is their narrowest margin of victory in a Sydney Derby. Meanwhile, the Giants' last four wins in that rivalry have come by six points. It's a very strange rivalry. When the Suns hosted the Swans in round one, Sydney just ran amok with overlapping handballs. Tom Papley and Logan McDonald were among the best as they won by 39 points. The Suns did beat them at the SCG last year, though. One of the least expected results of the year. That was in round eight. Yeah, the Swans were already coming off a home loss to the Lions and lost by 14 to the Suns. That's why you play the game. Can we add more cliches in there? Yeah, you know, gotta just gotta get pucks to the net and see what happens. Gotta give 100% play as a team. Get all four lines to contribute. Great game by the boys. For Sydney this week, Braden Campbell is suspended for a rough conduct against Lockie Whitfield. Someone out of Matt Roberts, last week's sub, Dylan Stevens, and Corey Warder likely would take that spot. I'm thinking it's going to be Stevens. Had a pretty positive impact once he did come in. Came in for Logan McDonald and just was the right kind of player to have on the rain. Was involved at least one of their scores of the fourth. They're still going to be missing Dane Rampey to a calf injury, though it looks like Lewis Melican could be back from his hamstring. Melican opened up so much for them defensively. It allowed Nick Blakey to play a more appropriate role. Aaron Francis, you know, wasn't objectionable this past week, but Melican is a clear upgrade still. And then Jack Bowler's been playing well down at the VFL level. I don't know if he gets another game. Being a midseason draftee, unless you're on one of the worst teams, it's usually pretty tough to get in there. And when you've got the wealth of talls that the Swans already do, it makes it even tougher. You're telling me, you know, that you're going to get in ahead of McDonald or Wicks? Even though McDonald was subbed out last week, it's not like he's going to be dropped. The Suns will have to replace Will Powell, who did his ankle against the Crows again. Second year running there. He didn't break anything, though. It was some ligament damage, so it's, it was enough for a green whistle. It seems like, putting it into perspective, though, less awful than what he went through last year. I remember being on that game when the injury happened last year, just being distraught as everybody else was. So do we see a surprise return here? Maybe Jai Farrow goes back to defense. He's been a fringe guy. Charlie Constable is another candidate as a real mover from the back six. He last played in round two. I remember him mostly because he was a real fantasy riser early in the season. I think I actually had picked him up for round one. Weird, weird memory there. Who knows? Maybe even Connor Butterick comes back in. He's played a few games in the BFL since returning from knee surgery. Out of all these names, though, the one in which I'm most interested is Alex Davies, just because I want his Japanese grandfather to get to a game in Sydney. Oh, yeah. Also, Tuke Miller will be back from his uh, nutty suspension. I see what you did there. I was going to make some sort of nutty professor reference. Uh, I guess we still can. Women be shopping. Yeah, women be shopping. Bitches be shopping. <laughs> Swans favored by 19 and a half. Uh, so far in their four games under Stephen King, the Suns have gone up, down, up, down. So, I, I don't know. This is a tough one. I think, you know, the Swans are starting to look like themselves. They're healthier. They're towards the forward and they wanted. I wouldn't bet against them here, but this is such a good pick for a game where, like, weird shit could happen. It did last year. The middle game for Saturday looked a lot more interesting a couple weeks ago, honestly, or maybe like a month ago before 
the Crows suffered more of their backline injuries and slipped in form, but still Brisbane and Adelaide at the GABA. You think back to the meeting they had in round 11 when the Crows won by 17. It was Joshua Shelley's smoothest game. He had that great goal of the week nominee. May have, I'm not sure if it won for that week, but it was just like that soccer skills moment going for the boundary on the outside of the boot. Dwayne Russell and the whole crowd went nuts. I mean, of course, Dwayne Russell would go nuts. So this will be a 4.35 p.m. local start at the GABA, 4.05 p.m. for South Australian audiences. For Americans, it'll be on Fox Soccer Plus and, of course, watch AFL. 2.35 a.m. Eastern Saturday, 11.35 p.m. Pacific Friday. Lions are at 14-6 and six in third after having to sweat it out against Frio or be able to get the percentage boost that people expected them to get. The Crows are 10-10 and 10 in 11th, and they've basically got a win out. Or maybe two wins and a draw, because we can never have enough draws. Crazy enough that all four teams that were in draws this year are in that jumble of clubs fighting for finals. It Usually, the draw has just meant, all right, you don't have to worry about percentage, because you're kind of operating between everyone else. That's definitely not the case this year. Look at Geelong and Sydney right next to each other. On the injury front for the Lions... Oscar McInerney missed last week with an ankle injury. Should be back. Would replace Darcy Ford. According to Fox buddy, Kadeen Coleman's going to miss another week with his eye injury. Lions will also be celebrating a couple milestones this week, as Cuba Cluggage will be playing his 150th game, and Connor McKenna his 100th. Played his first 79 with Essendon, and has played every game this year. I doubt there would be many other changes other than Big O coming back in, but if, if you're looking to shake things up in the midfield a bit, again, some of the strengths that the Crows have, I'd say Devin Robertson is the best candidate. He was the sub in round 21 to begin with. I just hope that he wants to come home to the Eagles like people expect him to. Would be another just nice younger piece to have, especially when you've got some older midfielders there that either are retiring or should be retired. Meanwhile, the Crows will need to do some midfield shuffling themselves as Chase Joes is out for the season with a list rank injury of his own. Hopefully, he'll be able to be back in time for the start of summer training. Luke Pedler was managed last week. We'll definitely add some physicality there. I, I could totally see Pedler and Zorko getting into a bit of a, well, I, I, I wouldn't say a cat fight, obviously, because they don't play for until long, but you get it. I mean, lions or cats? Yeah, the crows ate. Would this be like Scar trying to fight Zazu? Did that happen? No, I think he was just really pissed off with him. Zazu, underrated character. Honestly, off the top of my head, could not tell you much of anything about him. Isaac Rankin could be back this week, which would be awesome because he's so fun to watch. And also having him play back in Queensland. Like, even though the Crows forwards haven't really suffered without him, like that should be noted how well they've played even without him. It would still be nice to have them back. He definitely adds another element. They've been looking more inside, kind of restricting themselves, going through the corridor a bit more. Riken could open up some things on the half-forward flank. Rochelle can do that as well. When you have the two of them playing opposite of each other, that's something that I've, that I've noticed a few times. Also, what do you do with Rory Sloan? Things have worked well with him in the sub role, but do you bring him back into fuller capacity? Maybe it's more of how much do you back in Pettler? And how much do you want to meet the lines you know, right at the center square? What worked for Frio last week was having someone, you know, right on Lockie Neal from the beginning, that being Hayden Young. I don't think, you know, there's no Crow that has that innate tacky ability, but just to have that extra physical midfielder there could be enough positive influence. 
I can see someone like Harry Schoenberg being victimized then. I don't know. I didn't really like how Schoenberg played. He was a little quieter last week, but considering the form the last couple of rounds, I wouldn't make too many changes if I'm the Crows. The Lions are 21 and a half point favorites. This is another one of those matchups where the venue really does matter, as we've seen over the years. And I'd also just back in the Lions there in general. If you've got any backline that is able to stand up to Taylor Walker and Darcy Fogarty, I think the Lions should be able to do a job. I imagine you'd have Jack Payne play against Tex and maybe Brandon Starcevich try to run a bit alongside Fogarty. It depends on how loose you want to keep Harris Andrews. Maybe Andrews is tied more into a 1v1 job against Fogarty then. I wouldn't be surprised if you go Andrews to Walker, even though Payne is your biggest guy. Just here's our best, here's your best, let's go. Perhaps it'll depend then on how deep they decide to play Tex. One thing that I've heard referenced a few times this year, and I think it's relevant with this matchup, you know, how, how important home field has been this season. Maybe one of the reasons home field is so important is because it's one of the few separating factors between what have otherwise been some pretty evenly matched teams and just kind of a reflection of the parity up and down the competition. Also, the shape of the ground could play a bit of a role there for some matchups. I think less the case for the GABA and the SCG than for Cordenia Park, of course, but it's something to factor in. At least the GABA doesn't have terrible TV angles like the SCG. I've noticed that less lately. Maybe it's just I'm used to it. The only reason I would go against the Lions here. Can you predict why? Something more about Tex? No. I just see it really hard. You know, I think it's really hard to go 11-0 at home. And they only have two chances left to slip up in that regard. I know that's not the most scientific thing, but just, yeah, hard to go 11-0. Carlton and Melbourne were a snooze fest the first time they played on a Thursday in round 12. It's just a difficult game to watch and stay awake through for us here in America. The D's won that one by 17. Should be a lot more exciting, a lot faster paced this time around on Saturday night. 7.25 p.m. local, 5.25 a.m. Eastern, 2.25 a.m. Pacific for Americans on Fox Sports 2. All of a sudden, this is fifth versus second. Blues riding their seven-game win streak to an 11-8-1 record taking down the Saints in a really fun contest on Sunday that felt like it should have been higher scoring than it was. And then Melbourne riding some of the percentage they got against North, even after a shaky start to get up to second. As I've said, one of the fun things about that Carlton St. Kilda game was it proved that like you don't have to have scoring to have a great pace. That was just a super enjoyable game to watch. I've gone back and watched that in full, I guess really twice was focusing more on the St. Kilda side this time, what let them down in the second half. But Blues managed to stop Brad Crouch in the fourth quarter, tidying things up in the 50 event more as well. I'm super excited for this game, which I never thought I'd be saying a few weeks ago, but both teams have been playing such exciting football, which, I mean, when's the last time we thought the Demons were an especially exciting team to watch? You know, even at their best, and usually... There wasn't that wow factor, but they've been so fun this year. Really not since the 2021 Grand Final. It's unlikely that Adam Chera or Sam Walsh will get back in this week. They're still working their way back from hamstring injuries. I would have to think Patty Dow stays in the 22 finally. It will be really funny if he doesn't after almost being subbed off and taking the game-winning goal. Underrated storyline from this past week. It would be kind of fucked if he didn't 
get to stay in there. Now watch Ed Kerno get in over him. I mean, and that's that would be highly unlikely. We've been confused by Carlton's list decisions before. I think they've started to actually find something there, though. Uh, Jordan Boyd's going to be available after his three-game suspension. That was for the uh, dangerous tackle on Darcy Bird Jones. Oh, that was the really bad one. The uh, bad, the bad tackle. Yeah, the bad. bad suspension. Again, the the, ter- the determining factor in a lot of these, and it was the same with this past week with one of the suspe- the suspensions as well was the R's being pinned. Well, I don't know where you put him back in because Zach Fisher has done his job. Uh, I really liked how Fisher played last week. Wonder if him actually getting the game time will convince him to stay instead of going back westward. Fisher's another name that's been linked to the Eagles for a few months now. If Jordan Boyd does return, I guess Lockie Fogarty might be the one to get taken out. He was the one that was subbed out late on Sunday after probably intentionally staying on the ground for a few minutes longer than the coaches would have liked. I'm choosing to believe that he was doing everything he could to say, like, no, I'm better than Ed Kernow. Don't take me out. Nothing against you, Ed, but I belong here. Corey Durden is going to be back from his shoulder injury, probably goes through the VFL. I wouldn't change much of the forward lines right now. I mean, you look at what they've been able to do even without Harry Mackay. Why, why change anything? For a while, we thought Durden necessarily needed to be that tertiary target. Now that's really been taken by Jack Martin and Jesse Motlop. Here's a great stat from Riley Beveridge. 16 of the 23 players that were in Carlton's team against the Saints have played a VFL game this year now. Some of that's injuries. Some of that's guys finding form. Just a pretty mind-blowing number. Like the amount of events that have to happen to have that many guys in that spot. I feel like you could make a stat like that for the 2022 West Coast Eagles who didn't have anybody play all 22 games. Try to think of all the players who haven't played at the VFL level this year. Uh, Wiedering, Saad, Akers, Cripps, Charlie Curno, Sam Doherty, Nick Newman? Does that sound right to you, Ethan? I sing. And Newman has been one of the biggest individual success stories for the Blues within the past month or so. Finally getting his due in terms of people realizing how important his kicking both into the midfield and inside 50 has been. Started a lot of their better passages by foot. You sometimes see Jacob Wiedering deferring to him for the longer options once he gets intercepts. And Newman's plenty of a capable mark himself. You know, not the type to play super tight 1v1, but a good open field mark, both going forward and defending. The Demons will need to shake up their forward line because Harrison Petty has been ruled out for the season, a Liz Frank injury. So a lot of Liz Franks lately, huh? I mean, there's been a few. This past round, though, I think it's been three. But Petty kicked six goals in round 20, two in round 21 before getting this injury, and now Bubbern have to find another solution. Does the Brody Grundy experiment come to the AFL level? I think it's more likely for Joel Smith to come into the forward line. I would say Tom McDonald, but they're not going to rush him back in. He hasn't played since hurting his ankle in round 11. It's been confirmed by Melbourne GM of footy Alan Richardson that he will return through the BFL. Ben Brown would have been in the mix as well, but he's also hurt his knee. So I guess it is really between Joel Smith and Brody Grundy. If it is Smith, then Adam Tomlinson will probably go back to the defensive 50. And as down as we were on Tomlinson through the middle of this year, 
the past three or four games where he's been in, he's done a damn nice job. Still wouldn't be my first choice out there, but he's definitely not been completely unplayable, which is a step up from where he was. There was really nowhere for him to go but up, but last time he was out there, matched up really well against Darcy Fogarty. The big story, though, for the Demons and for Mist Wash this game in general is that Clayton Oliver has finally been declared, quote, right to go this week. You haven't heard that language before, talking about the hamstring injury he suffered all the way back in round 10. There were some setbacks there. There was a blister that got infected. And despite him being out, they've kept up at contests. Jack Viney and Angus Rayshaw have both lived in Viney especially. I think people had forgotten how important structurally Viney has been to this Demon's outfit for the better part of a decade now, if not longer, until Oliver went out. Melbourne are four and a half point favorites, and they have won the past eight meetings. All I know is I look forward to watching this game. I'm not going to touch any money or lines on this. This is going to be fun. I do want to tip the Demons. I think it's because I believe in them more in the long term. That said, I mean, the way the way Carlson have played lately, like within this game, within this context, I could see them winning, but. Obviously, I think Melbourne's the more sustainable long-term team. I hope there's a good crowd for this one as well. Obviously, the Demons don't tend to bring in great crowd numbers, but Carlton fans should show up. This should get into the 60s, I think, right? I would hope so. I would love to see it go beyond that. If it cracks 70, it'll be very special. As always, a reminder that we are on Twitter and YouTube at Americans Footy. YouTube will be much more active in the off-season, obviously. I'm on Twitter personally at BenjaminHK01. I'll definitely be posting some more gridly results there at the very least soon. I'm on Twitter at Castle Media, and Brian Harambe, who is currently walking across the room, is on Instagram at CatNamedGrian. I love going back during the editing process and being able to hear his bell. I, I love the sound of Cat's bells. There is only one dead rubber this round. And I think it's actually a pretty fun one, considering the matchup. It's Western Derby 57. It's the West Coast Eagles home derby for the year. And it's also the return of the 6.10 p.m. Perth bounce. So 8.10 p.m. for Eastern Australian audiences. For Americans, 6.10 a.m. Eastern, 3.10 a.m. Pacific. It's a Fox Soccer Plus game here. I'm trying to remember the last time we had a... 6.10 p.m. Perth bounce might have been for the other Western Derby this year. Usually you see it a couple times a year for, you know, like a, a Friday night game. But yeah, I can't think of too many. Was the Bulldogs game at Perth? I think that was a normal time. That could have been 6.10. Let's see. Uh, Yeah, it, it was the uh the Len Hall tribute game round six. The crying about Rory Log game. Yes. This is the final of the non-Victorian rivalries for the year, unless we get a Sydney Derby final or a showdown final, which would be amazing. We've only seen one showdown final, three Sydney Derby finals, all three of those won by the Giants. We are not getting a Western Derby final this year, plain and simple. These teams combine to be 10 and 30, and they occupy 15th and 18th on the ladder. However, they only lost by a combined four points this last week. Not to terrible teams, either. In terms of rivalry statistics, the Eagles lead 32-24, to but Frio are on a four-derby streak, which began in the second derby of 2021 when Caleb Sarong kicked the goal of the year. 
I mostly remember that game as heartbreaking because it was me realizing, ah, shit, the Eagles aren't making the eight, and they haven't been close since. The round three derby this year was memorable because it was just a bloodbath for West Coast. Between early in the second quarter and the middle of the third quarter, Luke Shuey and Jeremy McGovern both did their hamstrings, Alex Witherden got concussed, and Jamie Cripps had his angle broken in a tackle by, I think it was Alex Pierce. And up until that point, the Eagles were totally in that game. They actually played them pretty well. Remember how bad the Dockers were at start the season. And to still only lose by 41 despite that was honestly, you know, not terrible. Caleb Sarong won the Glendinning Allen medal, as I expect him to do again. Unless we see something weird and all of a sudden it's Matt Tapperner. That would be pretty amazing. Hey, he kicked three goals for Peel this past week. And with Josh Corbett being quiet, if you're, you know, committed to Luke Jackson being the first ruck while Sean Darcy is out, then maybe Tabiner is the solution. I still would like to see a Derby debut again for Frio. They had it for uh, Matty Johnson last time as the sub. I would want it this time for Liam Reedy, their ruck from Frankston. I'm all in favor of embracing the future. That said, if you want to give Tabiner something of a send-off, I get it. I mean, yeah. who's, who knows Who knows if it's a send-off? Look, the fact is, I don't think he's in the Dockers' future plans much because of his health. You know, maybe he latches on with some other club, but if I'm Frio, probably accepting the reality is he's likely not going to be a huge contributor much longer. He's contracted through next year. He's already 30 years old. I imagine next year's home derby, which will likely be the later of the two derbies of the year, could be a way to send him off. No uh, send-off for either the Eagles retirees this week, as Shannon Hurd and Luke Shuey will both remain out. Glad that Billy Williams did get off at the Tribunal. His high bump of Mason Redmond, which was initially going to cost him the game, that suspension was overturned after nearly two and a half hours of deliberation. What the fuck? Do we need to just see how many uh, schnitz meals David Zeta can down in a single Tribunal? Next time it goes on for that long. David Zeta versus Joey Chestnut. Make it happen. I would be so down for it. I just loved how salty Zeta was at everything taking so long. At one point he asked, who did the Eagles draft with the first pick? And then at the end it's just like, here's the explanation. I'm going to bed. I I don't know how this could take more. Any of these could take more than like 30 minutes, honestly. It's impressive. Like no matter how much you want to deliberate, over these things. And I, I'm in favor of being thorough. It's just like, how can this take this long? And if it takes this long to deliberate in the first place, maybe it should just be thrown out. There's also a chance that Jermaine Jones comes back in for the first time since suffering that nasty ankle injury in round 10. He's facing his final tests. He was one of the Eagles' best players in the first part of the season, establishing himself more as a defender. We knew what his ball movement skills were already, but he was really finding a home for himself in that halfback line, and I'm looking forward to him coming back soon to play some of that halfback flank and wing role. Well, looking deeper in defense, Rhett Baza was managed last round, and my instinct is that he would come back in for Josh Rotham, who unfortunately is a free kick machine, and not in a good way. I think Rotham is better playing a little bit further upfield. On the Frio side of things, we already mentioned Matt Taberner, uh, Will Brody has been good down there. I don't know if he's going to get another shot. Seems like the club's perception of him has declined altogether. Um, other than that, let's see. Ethan Hughes is going to be out for a couple weeks with an ankle injury. Could be back round 24. 
most likely you would fill that spot with either Nathan Wilson or Carl Warner. We were not happy with Wilson's performance at the start of the year. Uh, Heath Chapman, who only played in the first three rounds, ruled out for the remainder of the year. He dislocated his shoulder down to the waffle, so a very injury-filled campaign for him. He also dislocated his shoulder and a couple of years ago, and I think it cost him the season then. And then could Ethan Stanley get elevated to the actual 22? Because he's been stuck in the sub role. Yeah, it was stuck there for rounds 19 and 20 before being omitted round 21. With Hughes being out, Stanley could help solve some of the wing issues as well. Could either be some sub cover, or maybe that's a way to get Nathan Wilson back into the AFL group as a sub and backing in Stanley for a full game. Brianna are favored by 27 and a half. It's the Western Derby. It's the Eagles home derby. Anything can happen. I'm still tipping Frio, obviously. I think this could end up being a really interesting game. It's actually, I think, a tough one to get a read on because clearly the Eagles have played better. Being healthier obviously has a lot to do with that. Uh, Dockers have been playing much better football these last couple rounds. Alex Pierce has been better in the past three rounds than he had been in really the past three months. And so I imagine he gets the Oscar Allen assignment and that'll be something to watch all night. Is Oscar Allen the next Eagles captain? I hope so. You just look at the quotes he's given about his commitment to the club and stuff. It's like, it's either him or it's Tom Barris, who is sounding more and more like he's staying. I would want to run through a brick wall for Oscar Allen. He'd run through a number of brick walls that say wall for the club. Whatever rated SpongeBob thing. The walls on the driving course for Mrs. Puff's boating school literally saying wall on them. Oh, SpongeBob. Why? I just realized Mrs. Puff is her own airbag. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So do you really have any sort of prediction for this game? Usually you've been pretty good about Eagles predicting stuff. What do you mean? I was shite a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but you've had some this year that you've been really good on. I think Allen's able to manage two to three goals against Pierce. I think it can't just be Tim Kelly in the middle, so I back in the combination of Caleb Sarong and Andrew Brayshaw. Again, I think Sarong takes the Glendinning Allen medal sweep this year as the Dockers win by 25. I could see Luke Jackson also just having a monster game doing everything. With Billy Williams' decline in hitouts recently, I could see that as well. Nice that you have some ruck options going forward, though, between the Williamses and Bailey and Jack, no relation, as well as the young South Australian Harry Barnett. Harry! There's a future for the position past Nick Natanui, and I hope Nick's able to stay on and be a ruck coach. We've seen how well it's worked for the Giants to have Shane Mumford around, for example. I want to see all the GWS Rocks wearing Mumford and Sutton shirt. Like, just t-shirts. They don't have to dress like, you know, 1880s dry goods clerk. Hawthorne hosting the Bulldogs in Launceston. It's been a late-season tradition the last few years for the Dogs to have to make a trip down there towards the end of the campaign. Last year, that was where they found out they were making finals after the hilarious Carlton collapse. And then also in 2021, they played there in round 22 as well. This one gets underway on Sunday at 1.10 p.m. local time. Saturday night at 8.10 for us on the West Coast of the United States. 11.10 p.m. for the East Coast. And Sunday morning at 3.10 a.m. if you're in Iceland. This will be a Fox Soccer Plus game. The Hawks at 6-14 and in 16th after beating Collingwood. Still wrapping my head around that one. 16th beating first. Youngest beating oldest. James Sicily being James Sicily because nobody went to him. I said it in the preview. I'm going to say it again here. 
Rory Lobb should be on James Sicily for the entire game. I think that would also be really fun just from a standpoint of guys who could get under each other's skin and create some drama. Completely. I mean, there's already been the drama with Aaron Naughton and him in the past, but you got to keep Naughton freer than that. So have Lobb body up on him for the game. Lobb can run with him. And then you still have Naughton and Jamari Eugle Hagen, who kicked five last week that can play more freely on the tall side. These teams met back in round seven, a 29-point Bulldogs win. Liam Jones played a great game that day, and Toby McLean became the first unused sub of the season. I think there's been one other since. It was someone for Sydney, maybe? Uh, Ryan Clark, I think. I think those are the only ones. Yeah, Ryan Clark was unused in... The draw against the Cavs. Right. And then didn't record any stats against Frio, but but was brought up for the end of that game a couple rounds after that draw. Now, in that game against Frio, did he get on the field? Yeah, he did. Okay, because they definitely filed the paperwork. I want to know what the paperwork looks like. I assume it's something pretty simple, but broadcasters always make it sound like it's this whole thing. I assume it's just like, you know, you write down who you're subbing out, and then you hand it to one of the official scorer people. Or, or like uh, one of the interchange stewards. Yeah. And that, you know, the people who keep track of whether or not you've made 75 changes. I am still not over that. Well, as the dogs look to win their fourth straight against the Hawks and the sixth of seven, McLean has been among their better performers in the VFL. And you can see either him or Oscar Baker come in for Anthony Scott, who was concussed last round. Scott has been just a right place, right time player, good death piece who is usually good for a streak of three or four games in a row with a goal. I know you've been pretty complimentary of Anthony Scott for a lot of this year. Yeah, he's been like the actual sort of depth piece they've needed. Do also want to mention that Buku Kamis kicked two goals too, friend of a friend of the show. And Alex Keith will be out of concussion protocols, so I'd imagine he'd get back and been playing pretty well before he got concussed. It's his second concussion of the year, that one, though, so we'll see if they decide to take this a bit more slowly. Could also have Ryan Tika Masala Gardner return for his soreness. Maybe James O'Donnell has to get squeezed out then. Not, you know, bad in any way, just wouldn't think of him as one of their first-rate defenders. Yeah, I, I would think he's kind of on the fringe there. For the Hawks, they beat Collingwood last week despite missing a few pretty central pieces. Uh, Carl Amon was out with the knee injury, could be back this week. Tyler Brockman was managed, he could also be back. Sam Frost was out with a foot injury. He could be back. He was not missed because Jack, that's good, Scrimshaw had a really tidy game in defense. He could also at times not be missed just because sometimes Frost ball isn't what you need, although he seemed to piece it back together after a couple of really bad games. Yeah, I remember a couple of Hawks fans we were talking to were very ready for his retirement at one point this season. I wonder if that's still the case. I forgot he was a three-team guy. He was an inaugural Greater Western Sydney Giant before jumping over to Melbourne. Uh, Seamus Mitchell popped a couple of fingers in round 21, so maybe he gets the week off. He'd been rested a bit before that, but if you dislocate a couple fingers, I, I think that's a pretty clear reason to have some time to recover. Unused emergencies for round 22. Sam Butler, Bailey McDonald, and Lloyd Meek. We've made our case to have Meek as the main ruck and... Ned Reeves as a forward obviously didn't hurt him last week. I was very surprised. Does the 13 and a half point line in favor of the Bulldogs seem a little bit narrow to you or, you know, accounting for the history of this matchup on this ground and it being a bit more of a difficult time for the dogs there? Hawks have been quite good in Tasmania overall. 
They're playing good footy lately. I think they could be due for a real clunker here, but I think this is a fair line. I think there are a lot of potential outcomes here, and that fits kind of towards the middle of them. I would expect it to be a couple points higher, maybe. But, Brian, what was that? I think he agreed with me there. I think he just wants out, but you can pretend. Yeah, let me uh get him out of here before we talk about the national TV game on Sunday. A rematch between the Saints and Tigers that I feel like is coming way too soon, considering they only played in round 14. Seriously, eight rounds does not feel like an adequate enough time in between matchups. I mean, usually I feel like 10 to 11 is the standard, but I'm not going to complain. This is a really important game, and I, I would say, you know, it's pretty much an elimination game for Richmond and for the Saints, considering that they need to win two out of three, and one of those is a trip to the Gabba. This could really be a must-win both ways. The Saints in seventh at 11 and 9 after being defeated by the Blues. The Tigers down at 13th after losing to the Dogs. They are 9, 10, and 1. So just a game and a half separating these clubs who will be playing at the normal 3.20 p.m. Sunday bounce. So 1.20 a.m. Eastern Sunday, 10.20 p.m. Pacific Saturday for American audiences. And you ought to have watch AFL just because you ought to already. But if you don't, the only other legal way I know of to be able to watch the game is to wait for the delayed broadcast at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 a.m. Pacific Sunday morning. Between the occasional NRLW broadcast and more so the Women's World Cup, a lot of Sunday footy has not been available to American audiences. And I mean, you know, women be shopping. I'm not using that clip again. No, but it is important to remember that women be shopping. <laughs> That's true, women do shop. <laughs> See, that's another clip from that I can use. These teams met back in round 14, a 20-point win for the Tigers and Trent Cotchin's 300. He and Dustin Martin both played great. Cotchin and his children all got chaired off, and then this past week, didn't play. Dusty didn't play as well, and we called exactly what would happen. It was a great crowd for that game, too. 62,686 in the rain. Well, obviously, the crown won't be as high for this one. I mean, I, I hope we get into the high 30s, if not the 40s, for Marvel Stadium for this. I would think this game will get into the low 40s. I'm surprised we haven't had more games with Marvel that have really hit, like, the, you know, 48, 49 range. Like, you've had, I think the, the biggest crowd that we've had this year was for Good Friday, which I'm, was just over 49. Like, you look at the game this past week between the Saints and Blues, I would have thought we would have had... Yeah, uh, 42, 6, 5, 6. But yeah, it wasn't like absolutely packed. And I, I know some of the views from way up in the corner might not be great, but these seem like the type of games that people really want to see. Well, I imagine Marvel Stadium will be packed when it has to host a final this year. If 1, 2, 5, and 6 are all Victorian, then yes, most likely you would have a final at Marvel Stadium on a Saturday. So basically the Ds have to finish second for that to happen. Yeah. All right. Not impossible. I would almost say probable at this stage if they beat the Blues anyway. They do have to travel to the SCG for round 24, but I can see it. There's also the scenario still where, you know, GWS end up hosting a final. Unlikely, but not totally out of the question. Quite frankly, I see them dropping out. I think considering their remaining schedule, that is unfortunately very possible. We'll get to their game in just a bit. Yeah, as for what's what's going on here, the Saints... I was more impressed with their play 
in that loss to the Blues than I was in a lot of their wins. Just the pace they showed that they were comfortable at. I thought there was a lot of growth there. And it was the first time that I had really watched them super closely in the last few weeks against legitimate competition. So that was that was entertaining. No injury news out of this past week, but a whole bunch of guys down at the VFL put up compelling performances because they faced the Bull Amps. Tim Memory, four goals. Jack Paris, two goals. Good performances by Jack Vitale, Nick Cofield, and Jack Hayes. There's been a lot of talk around Memory returning this week. I don't see why you wouldn't. I really like him. And with Zane Cordy and Matthias Filippo being quiet, Filippo did score a goal but was subbed out. Maybe this is the time that you managed him, or I'd honestly just say memory in for Cordy. I think I noticed Cordy once in the entire game last week. Like, you could have told me that he wasn't in the lineup, but I probably would have believed it. The last time I noticed Zane Cordy, quite honestly, this year was uh, when Stephen May took a hanger on him, and he got concussed then. For the Tigers, we mentioned that Trent Cotchin and Dustin Martin will return. Officially, it was not management, but soreness that kept them out. We know what that means. Dylan Grimes is also likely to return from a neck injury, so who's at risk there? Well, firstly, we know that Jacob Hopper will be out because he was concussed last week. Another Jacob was quiet, that being Jacob Bauer, so he and Noah Cumberland are definitely both at risk as they try to shuffle things to get all three of those triple premiership players back in. I still question sinning guys against the dogs. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the last we see a Cumberland this season. Still really like his upside, but he has, he has struggled this year. There's no dancing around it. He plays based on instincts, and his instincts sometimes aren't in the right place. I mean, we learned that last year in round 19. Yeah, I believe he committed eight turnovers this past week as well. More notably, Daniel Rioli is a test with an ankle issue, so that will be a real big loss for them. He's played every game this season and has been one of the most reliable halfbacks in the competition since making that switch a couple years ago. In the reserves, Tyler Sonzi and Thompson Dow were among the best. Sonzi in particular got some praise. Could have him come into sort of that half-forward mix as well if Cumberland and Bauer come out. Saints favored by two and a half. I would probably favor the Tigers here by about that much, but... Yeah, I would tip Richmond by, I'd say, four and a half. I think having the combination of Kotchan and Martin back in there will help a lot. I would draw Dusty into more center bounces rather than having him start full forward. That could also be a way to get both him and Sansi involved, have Sansi play as that deeper forward target. This just seems like one of those games where whoever wins does it convincingly. I hope this is a close game, but I don't know. It just, I get the feeling this isn't going to be close. I don't know who's going to win. But a single-digit margin is unlikely, nonetheless. I think this is a game decided by, like, five-plus goals, one way or the other. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be captivated by this. I think we will be captivated by the round finale, which is Port and the Giants out at Adelaide Oval. The power going with their retro try-both jumpers against a team that didn't exist when they first wore them. Usually you reserve, like, throwback stuff for matchups that make sense, but uh, not here. They are pretty good-looking jumpers, though. I, mean, I think they're cool. I mean, we're fans of Teal in the first place. Probably comes from our San Jose Sharks fandom, partially. I'm still calling for Port to have a Teal clash on the men's side like the women do. The Giants need to wear white to make this game look right, I would have to say. I could see them going orange here. I mean, they are the orange team. 
I honestly expect them to go orange with the white pants. Wouldn't look bad, though. This one gets underway 4.10 p.m. on Sunday at the Adelaide Oval, 4.40 in Eastern Australia, 11.40 p.m. Saturday for us on the West Coast in the U.S., and 2.40 a.m. if you're on the East Coast. This is a Fox Soccer Plus game. Power Ranger at 14-6, but they've lost four in a row, including last week at Geelong, where they certainly didn't play poorly. Just a whole lot of injuries and a whole lot of Brian Myers. And a whole lot of illness as well, actually. That illness is continuing this week. You had Miles Bergman, Kane Farrell, and Jeremy Finlayson all out from that illness. They were all expected to return, but uh, according to Jace Kemp from 10 News First Adelaide, there are a half dozen other players who missed training on Wednesday from illness. Those being alphabetically by last name, Ryan Burton, Darcy Byrne-Jones, Francis Evans, Jason Horn-Francis, Dan Houston, and Tom Jonas. Some pretty important ones there. I'd say chiefly Burn jones in Houston. I hope this is one of those things where it's like, we're just going to play it safe to get as few people sick as possible. So just like, if you cough, stay home. Are we going like Western Australia lockdown here? No, I think this is just using common sense so that you can have the healthiest team possible so you can win a game. I'm sure Mark McGowan is tempted, even if he's not in power anymore. And even if this is out of his own state. Oh yeah, he might like last minute say, nope, nobody's coming to Western Derby. Remember when he did that? That was the Eagles home derby of 2021, and our Eagle member friends were distraught. In terms of actual injuries, Alir Alir and Lockie Jones will be out of concussion or migraine protocol. Oh, no, no, no. Alir never had a migraine, only Lockie. The Giants are definitely going to be shorthanded for this game. While they have fewer potential outs compared to Port, there have been a couple that have been confirmed. Toby Bedford suspension for his dangerous tackle on Ollie Florent was upheld. Brett Daniels did not appeal his high bump of Jake Lloyd. To have not just one of those electric half-forwards, but both of them out really damages their game plan. That had worked so well for them when they were on that seven-game winning streak. That ended, of course, at the hands of the Swans last week at the showground. GWS are now 11-9. They're in eighth, just half a game in and considering the schedule they've got to close things out, they are really in peril. They've got Essendon, round 23, and then finish up in the final game of the season with Carlton. All winnable. Not sure if I'd favor them in any of them, though. You guys know my GWS takes at this point. They've already accomplished everything they've needed to this season. It will be cool if they made finals, but even if they don't, it'll be hard to consider this season anything less than a roaring success. And it's been the younger players like Toby Bedford that have really helped with that. Finn Callahan, another great piece as well. Very deserving Rising Star nominee from the first Sydney Derby. Unfortunately, he's unlikely to play again this week. Been dealing with some soreness in general. I know he had a hip injury that had caused him to be a late out for the last game they played at Adelaide Oval against the Crows. They still managed to win that game, which was ridiculously impressive considering the comeback they had to put on. But Josh Fahey and... Connor Stone or some smaller options to be able to come in. I'd say Stone would be the most like for like if you're looking at trying to get another half forward flank in there, but they ventured forward in that Crows win and get a really important goal late. If they want to challenge the port backs by going tall between Alir and Jones out and also Trent McKenzie doing his knee, then maybe they back in Aaron Cadman after a three goal showing in the reserves. I like Fahey, at least in the sub role. I think he's done really well in that capacity. 
I could see him staying there given the track record. I think he'd be a more likely one to have as a sub than Tadman, obviously, or Jimmy Peetling if he gets back in. Some other news out of the Giants VFL side. This was confirmed a little before we started recording. Braden Proust will finally be playing a game this year and then battling a back injury since the offseason. Obviously, down the pecking order now, I'd say, because Kieran Briggs has asserted his spot for the short and long term. But glad that Proust will be able to get back on the oval in some capacity. Will he get suspended? Before the end of the season, I'd give it a 60% chance. In his first game, 25%. Do you like those odds? Sure. Do you think it happens then? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Port favored by 15 and a half. I think this is a line that could move a ton based off of who's in and who's out. Oh, originally I was feeling pretty good about Port, knowing that Bedford and Daniels would be unavailable, but knowing that Port's team for the week could be in a serious state of flux, I'm not really gonna like say anything with the utmost confidence. And I, with- I still think Port would be I'd probably tip them to win in most cases, but wouldn't be shocked if GWS could pull this off. I like both these clubs. However, I am pulling for the Giants because I want to see them get into finals. And also, fuck Mark Fisher. Amazingly, only the second most hated Fisher in sports in our house. In most places, I would hope. Ethan, who was your main character pick for the week? I know you were talking up Ollie Henry at the start. You have any other ideas? Yeah, I'm thinking actually. I'm thinking it's going to be someone out of the one game that doesn't Actually, you know what? I was thinking about Western Derby, but let's go Kazi Peckett. It would be really funny if he kicks another late goal to beat the Blues. Amazing game last year. I believe that was uh, round 22 last year. Of course, that was the penultimate round last year. I remember that ending, though. Jake Melksham had four goals in that game, I believe. He got the handball off the deck to Kazi. The goals with something like 11 seconds left. And... Kazi was one of three three-goal kickers for the Demons this past week out at Bloodstone Arena, the others being Kate Chandler and Alex Neil Bullen, of all people. My main character pick, I was looking at that Carlton and Melbourne game with some intent. I think it would be too easy to go for Ben Cunnington and for Ollie Henry. So I'm just back in Tom Liberatore to be the difference maker in Tasmania. It's so often that Marcus Bontempelli gets the best on ground votes and all the praise, but when the center contest should be as hot as they tend to be for both Dogs and Hawks games, you got Bont and Libba going up against Newcomb and Day and Nash. I think Libba could end up being the difference here, because I also see Finn McGinnis going with Bontempelli. All right, that just about does it. As usual, we're on Twitter at AmericansFuddy. I'm on Twitter at Castle Media. I'm at BenjaminHK01. Ryan Harambe, the footy cat, is somewhere around the house now. He is on Instagram at cat named Ryan. We'll have a more reliable schedule going forward at this point. And with Ethan's traveling done, we'll be here in the Bay Area the rest of the way. Looking forward to starting seeing some grand final watch party plans coming together. And if any of you are ever around in the Bay Area, let us know. We'd love to meet up with you. Happy to play tour guy.